Listen to the words of A.W. Tozier. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on, and no one would know the difference. However, if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop, and everybody would know the difference. The Holy Spirit has a lot to do with a lot of things, but, but holding back and resisting the return of Christ is not one of them. Hi, everyone. I'm Bill Nordstrom, and, and welcome to the program today. Tozier's take would uh, certainly cover the conditions of Christendom these days, but let's consider what a withdrawal of the Holy Spirit of God would mean if the church was suddenly, without warning, imminently caught up, raptured, removed from the earth, leaving the left behind to navigate the crisis ahead. The Apostle Paul makes clear something or someone is resisting or or restraining exposure during the final three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. Let's see. Let's see who this mysterious restrainer is and what his exposure will mean for the return of our Lord. Paul addresses the matter in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. He said the mystery of lawlessness, that's the mystery of sin, the mystery of iniquity, is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. That's a bit mysterious. Well, we know from those words we can expect more of the same, but we we can also see there's a problem here from the get-go. Some Bible translators could not figure out who's resisting, who's doing this restraining. As a result, some believe it must be the Holy Spirit who is restraining, holding back, holding back all-out evil on the earth, and that he'll continue to do so until he's mysteriously removed, and then all hell will break loose. Depending on what Bible translation you're using, you know, the King James, New King James, New American Standard, NIV, ESV, uh, you know, there are dozens of translations— What we find is the translators were uncertain whether the H in the word he in the verse I just read should or should not be capitalized. Listen again, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 7, he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. Who needs to be removed? Who to, to complete the plan of God in this age? Because there was some confusion on exactly who this restrainer, this resistor actually was, the writers of the King James and the New King James capitalized the letter H and by implication settled that it was a member of the Godhead who who was restraining, who was resisting, who was holding back the coming of evil. That when the Holy Spirit is removed, the Antichrist would begin his activities leading into the Great Tribulation, as we see in verse 8 and 9. And then, and then the lawless one, the Antichrist, will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders. You see, the the theory goes this way. If you remove the Holy Spirit from the entire scenario, Satan is free to take up residence in this, this man of sin, this coming Antichrist, leading to the abomination of desolation spoken of by Jesus himself. 
and that paves the way for the final three and a half years of this age, and, of course, the return of Jesus. Quite a bit hangs on the question, to capitalize or not to capitalize? We find this theory is one of the key components of dispensationalism and the pre-tribulation rapture position, which sees the rapture of the church at the beginning of the final seven years, and that the Antichrist can't come until the Holy Spirit is removed from the earth, taken out of the way, paving the way for the Great Tribulation. As uh, Bible scholar George Eldon Ladd said in his book, The Blessed Hope, a study of the second coming, he said, the manifestations of evil which have marked human history will at the end of the age be concentrated in one final incarnation of evil, a, a, a superman, the Antichrist, who will exercise a worldwide rule, defy the state, and achieve a union of church and state, so that men will be forced to worship him or suffer economic sanctions and death. But the question remains, who's restraining? We know the what that is restraining. Paul makes that plain in the very beginning of the chapter, that that the rapture of the church in the day of the Lord, his return, cannot come unless the man of sin is first revealed. Here it is. I'm going to go right back to the beginning of the chapter, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 1. Here's Paul talking to these Thessalonican believers. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. You see, they were a little bit nervous and a little bit confused that they'd missed they'd missed the resurrection of the righteous dead. Paul goes on, Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day, the resurrection of Jesus, the resurrection of the dead, and the coming of Jesus Christ, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. What is restraining the coming of Jesus Christ and the rapture of the church is the falling away, the apostasy that will come on the earth at that time, and the revelation of the man of sin, the revelation of the Antichrist. And the popular view is that as soon as the Holy Spirit is removed, all these events can take place, that he's the one holding back these events that are going to come. Now, I would submit the Holy Spirit is God. And God's not going to take God out of the way. The argument goes that only something or someone holy could possibly be responsible for holding back something so unholy. Paul shows us the mystery of iniquity, the the Antichrist, must be revealed before Jesus can return at the great day of the Lord. But, But first, a restrainer, a resistor, must first be removed. Where the confusion begins is in the capitalization of the simple little pronoun, he. Who is the he? Some translations capitalize the H, others do not. Well, I believe the Bible shows that Satan is the accuser of the brethren, to be the restrainer that will come at the end of the age. And I'll show you why. He's resisting 
because his revelation brings full exposure and certainly cuts his time short. That's number one. This, this is the last thing that Satan wants. You see, we often assume Satan can't wait to get here because he can then initiate the final chaos on the earth. Well, that's just not the case. Satan is not ignorant of the time frames involved here, and he, and he plans to fully restrain, fully restrain his identity and resist his full exposure to the world as long as he can. Remember in Revelation chapter 12, when Michael the angel stands up and, and Satan is removed, all heaven breaks loose in joy because this demon prince has been cast down, while the announcement is, woe to the earth. But the word of God says the kingdom of God can now come in great power on the earth. Listen to it, Revelation 12, 12. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knows he has a short time. One other thing. Paul was certainly familiar with Daniel's experience with the heavenly resistance when, when his prayer for his people was opposed by the demon prince of Persia back in Daniel chapter 10. The heavenly messenger was withstood. He was, he was resisted. He was hindered, hindered from coming to Daniel until the angel Michael was able to dislodge the demonic prince of Persia. So there's precedence for this same kind of action with Michael's removal of Satan, as we see in Revelation chapter 12. So how does this understanding, this how does how does understanding this great mystery pertain to the events happening in heaven and on earth that start the great tribulation? Well, on earth, the abomination of desolation begins those final three and a half years. We see that in Matthew chapter 24, particular verse 15. Jesus says, when you see, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, let the reader understand. But just before the Antichrist enters the temple in Jerusalem, his mortal wound is miraculously healed. Revelation chapter 13. It's not coincidental, it's not coincidental at all that this happens immediately in conjunction with Satan's forcible removal from the heavens by Michael. Satan immediately takes up residence in this man, an incarnation of sorts, who's about to become the Antichrist, not just another Antichrist, but the Antichrist. Listen to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. And then, there's a good timing indicator, and then, when, when he's removed from the heavens, when Satan is removed from the heavens, this lawless one, the Antichrist, will be revealed whom the, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. Did you hear that? according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. It's not the removal of the Holy Spirit. It's the removal of Satan. He can no longer resist being exposed. He loses the war in the heavens, and under the auspices of the angel, 
archangel Michael. He's removed to the earth where he promptly takes up residence in this mysterious man who receives the deadly wound and is healed, an incarnation of a man who becomes the very embodiment of the Satan himself. Let's put it all together here. In, in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 8, and let's discover the, the what and the who of these critical verses. And I'm going to add some clarity as we go along. Follow with me in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us as though the day of Christ had come. That was the problem, folks. They thought they missed the day of the Lord and the resurrection. Verse 3. For that day, Paul says, that day, the coming of the Lord, that day will not come. It will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Verse 6. And now you know. <laughs> I love that. And now you know what is restraining. What's restraining what? The incarnation of the Antichrist and the return of Jesus. That he... Who's the he? The Antichrist. He may be revealed in his own time. Verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he, Satan, little h, who now restrains, who resists his exposure in the incarnation of the Antichrist, resulting in the return of Jesus, he's going to continue to do so until he, Satan, is taken out of the way. Verse 8, And then, then the lawless one, the Antichrist, will be revealed. So where's the church in the midst of these coming unprecedented events? First of all, if, if the church has already been raptured, as our pre-trib friends believe, and the Holy Spirit has been removed right along with them, how would those remaining on the earth come to know and recognize Messiah at his coming and embrace him as Savior and Lord? People do turn to the Lord during the Great Tribulation. It takes the presence of the Holy Spirit to call those remaining on the earth into God's kingdom. That's the work of the Spirit. If he's gone, he can't do that. If he's been removed, I suggest there'd be no salvations in the final seven years of this age. No, the church is still here, right on the earth, ministering. Listen, they're ministering. We're ministering in signs and wonders. The greatest revival since Pentecost. As Daniel engaged in, in deep intercession for his people back in Daniel chapter 9, setting his face toward the Lord to make, to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes, the tribulation church at the end of the age will be doing likewise. A corporate people of God, engaged in intercession and travail, knowing well the prophetic scriptures. It anticipates the heavenly victory of the saints over Satan just before the great tribulation, the final three and a half years. A bodily removal from the earth, a rapture, is not necessary. The tribulation church will ascend in the spirit 
beyond the reach of Satan. We're, we're not subject to the wrath of God. There's certainly persecution, even martyrdom. When has that ever not been the case? But the church, the saints, overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, not loving their lives even unto death. The accuser of the brethren no longer has the ear of God to foist accusations against the saints. Intercession and travail will ignite the greatest revival since Pentecost. To the Jew first and to the bewildered nations. Listen to Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they, that's the church, and they overcame him. The church overcomes the Antichrist, overcomes the power of evil. God did not make his plan convoluted and complicated. He made it main and plain. Let's pray. Father, if there was ever a time, it's now. Now, more than ever, we must see into the realm of the heavens, see into the realm of the Spirit, understand, think clearly, and articulate intelligibly the word of the Spirit in our time. The, the times and the season on the earth, Father, they're, they're changing rapidly, and, and we ask you to prepare us for the anointing to understand and accurately proclaim the gospel message to our generation. Lord, I know there are many in the sound of my voice that join with me in, in seeking to minister at a, at a level like we never have before. This is not about us, Lord. Lord, it's about you and your kingdom, a kingdom you will soon establish on this earth. And we join corporately, Father. The Church of Jesus Christ, we want to join corporately in one accord to ask this in your name. Amen and amen. Well, beloved, much work to be done yet. I fully believe he's going to equip us for the task ahead. An anointing from the Holy Spirit prepared to have the word of the Lord in the season, the season of his return. God bless each and every one of you. Maranatha, I'm Bill Nordstrom.